0: Hello, this is Cheryl Brodersen. And Jasmine Alnutt. And we're in studio with? Women Worth Knowing. Women Worth Knowing. That's <laughs> absolutely right. And Jasmine, I have got somebody that I actually never heard of before, mm-hmm. Michelle Uhl. Who oh, was... yes. Shout out to one of our, yes, favorite listeners. <laughs> yes, and also she'll be on the program. She's also yes. a writer. She loves Christian biography. But she wrote me about a different doctor. But in it, I found out that this doctor was influenced by Dr. Catherine Bushnell and that she was a Christian. So I was Mm -hmm. like, wait, I want to figure out who this woman is. So I found her biography, was able to get it on Kindle, read it, was absolutely fascinated. I mean, just incredible. And I just thought, wow, how come I didn't know of her? Yeah. And they said, actually, she was really, really well-known during her time because she worked <laughs> for the Women's Christian Temperance Union. And uh, oh, she was yeah, very famous about. for equal rights for women oh. way back at the turn of the century and writing theology, a Christian theologist. And so <laughs> she was very, very famous. But what happened is because of her strong views, she somewhat... Was it marginalized a marginalized. little marginalized. bit? Marginalized, I think okay. that was the best yeah, yeah, word yeah. for her. But let's get into this. Hmm. So she was born in what used to be Peru, Illinois, <laughs> which later became Evanston. So most that people more- would know it as Evanston. <laughs> yes. But it's I've interesting how names change, yeah, right? Yeah, totally. But she was born February 5th, 1855, and she was number seven of nine children. Get this. She had three older sisters. Three older brothers and two younger brothers. Wow. Big so you, family. You wouldn't have that much expectation for somebody in a yeah, family that big. Totally. You know, I, I heard that, you know, supposedly the brain cells are lessened with each child. I'm the fourth. So oh, dear. I can joke about <laughs> things like that. But it's not true. I don't She's think number so. seven. Yeah, that can't be. <laughs> she had a number of famous relatives, John Rogers. Hmm. Do you recognize that name? He was a martyr at Smithfield. Yes. So this yes. is one of her distant relatives. Wow. And David Bushnell, who invented the submarine. Fun. Isn't that wow, fun fact? That's really interesting. Okay. So she's raised in a Methodist Episcopal church. Her family was very spiritual, very, very Christian, but she formerly gave her life and was converted at 17, wrote about the experience, that that's when she really made Jesus Christ her own at 17. Mm. At 18, she went to Northwestern University for two years, and she was studying um, ancient languages. She was really interested in language studies, Mm. and it came really easily to her. In fact, she was able to graduate early because she was so brilliant. And at that time, the dean of the Women's College was a woman named Frances Willard. And Frances Willard was very involved with the Women's Christian Temperance Union. Maybe that's Union. why, yeah, okay. A, yeah. a Very famous suffragette. Yeah, 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 yeah. very part of the Carry Nation, let's bring, oh, yes. you know, temperance in. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason for that that we'll talk about in a little bit. It wasn't just like they hated drinking or thought, you know. Right, I think we talked about that a little bit with like Catherine Booth and some of the right. other gals. Yeah, right. there was a reason for it. Go mm-hmm. ahead. So Catherine Willard had this profound influence on Catherine, and Catherine just thought, she was just amazing for her commitment. Um, Frances was a feminist. And at that time, a feminist was someone who wanted to get votes for women. I mean, it's that simple. And um, at the same time, wanted the same opportunities in education, hmm. service, employment, and pay as men. That seems so little to ask, doesn't mm-hmm, it? Mm-hmm. And that's what she lobbied for. That's what she believed in. And yeah. she had been able to uh, become dean of this college, but the, it was kind of a, a smaller college within a bigger college. And in the bigger college, her fiance was the mm-hmm. principal. Oh. And when she broke off the engagement, he fired her. So, Frances oh, Willard, on. yes, she lost her job. <sighs> so, uh Catherine wanted to serve God, and at the time she was just thinking that she couldn't really see a way through the classical languages. Um, so she was really encouraged by someone, if you really want to serve the Lord, then become a doctor, and then you can really serve people and serve the Lord. Mm-hmm. So she went to medical uh, college, she went to Women's Medical College in Chicago, and she graduated at 24, Oh wow. I mean she was just like so Little smarty pants. Brilliant. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and her medical emphasis was on nerve disorders. <laughs> Although she was, you know, general practitioner, that was what she specialized in. After that, she was a resident physician at a hospital for women and children in Chicago. So she served there and she was doing her residency and she was about to set up practice when And she was also thinking about going back to college because she wanted to further her degree in the sciences. She just really, really loved the sciences Mm. and thought, this is, you know, I Mm -hmm. want to go further. But at that time, she was persuaded. And we're not told who she was persuaded by, whether it was a person or a pastor or her church. But she found out about a great need for doctors in China. Hmm. And so she was really encouraged to go to China as a missionary. So she sailed to China. And when she arrived in China, she hoped to acclimate to the country and the culture mm-hmm. and learn the language, you know, um, kind of take it slow, you know, and then begin to set up a practice and begin to serve mm. uh, the people. She was assigned to Kyokyung near Shanghai. But her hope, of acclimation was dashed when her medical services were immediately needed. And she was inundated by patients upwards of 100 a day. And it was during this time that she began to notice the Prejudice in China against women, and it really, really bothered mm-hmm. her how badly women were treated. Yeah, that they were given yeah. the lowest occupations, their feet were bound. Was it still the foot binding era? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. It was definitely yeah. the binding era. And yeah. she really, really campaigned against binding the women's feet. And so one day, this gate man who had been guarding a building was brought to her, and he had been savagely beaten by the men who had robbed the the building and mm-hmm. left for dead. And so she began to work on him feverishly. She was, you know, she was also a surgeon. She would, Seriously, this woman could do anything. Ser- she was so yeah, brilliant. Wow. <laughs> and she began to work on him and she saved his life. Mm-hmm. And after he uh, came back to health, the rumor went around that he had died seven times and seven times she had brought him back to life. <laughs> so the missionaries hearing that this rumor is going around, they fear for Catherine. Because here's the problem. If somebody then dies that she's taking care of, then the mobs will riot. You know, this is a really, you remember, this is like 1882. Uh, oh, yeah, is, there's yeah a lot of prejudice against foreigners, yes. so they'll look for a reason. Right, this is yeah. 1879. So this yeah. is just, you know, this is obviously before the Boxer Rebellion, but already there's yeah, some I'm, unrest yeah. Yeah, totally. that's beginning. So, like, they would expect her to always raise somebody from the dead then? Exactly. Okay, and they oh were gosh. afraid that people might bring oh, their dead relatives oh, to her, like, geez. you know, a baby that had died yeah, or, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. you know, a child that had died, <laughs> expecting her to raise this child from the dead or this person from the dead. So they said to her, you need a break. Go up to the mountains. You know, just stay away, and then we'll call you back when mm. the rumors die down. Well, she wasn't feeling well. She was exhausted from mm. the work. So while she's resting, she writes to a friend of hers, Dr. Ella Gilchrist, who had actually gone to medical school with her, and she asked her if she would be willing to come over and help her in the medical practice, and Ella said yes, and then Ella came over, and together they began to... Uh, serve all these people they had a clinic that they set up and again both Mm -hmm. of them working together upwards of 100 patients a day Mm -hmm. Uh, just there wasn't any decent medical care one two especially for women because the prejudice being so bad and that was their specialty was for women and children they decided to open a pediatric hospital in Keolking, which they did. They started a pediatric hospital because, again, not only was there prejudice against women, but also against children. Hmm. As I said before, Catherine was put off by the male-dominated society in China, and especially by the barbaric practice of binding the feet of women. Yep. But as she learned Chinese, she studied the translation of the Bible in Chinese, and she felt that it unbiblically favored men. She was like, wait, there's prejudice in here. And if the people read this Chinese Bible, even if they become Christians, they'll continue their prejudices toward women. Interesting. And one of the points that she found was that um, they didn't believe that the sin of Eve could be atoned for. And she said either Jesus atoned for all sin, which included the sin of Eve, or he didn't atone for sin. Um, But that's how... That's how they were teaching that to Timothy, too, that it was not mm. Adam that was deceived, but Eve. But they, right. they, the way they had translated it. So she decided to throw herself back into the Hebrew and Greek language and begin to read the Bible from the original languages. Oh, wow. Just so that she would really, really know. Smart. So before this time, Catherine said that she believed, it, and this is a quote from Catherine: "It was neither desirable nor necessary for women to preach the gospel. It was unbecoming." So she, she didn't thought that. Yes, interesting. She didn't feel like it was a woman's place to teach the word, or you know, even to preach kids the gospel. And other women or evangelism? Wow. Okay. No, she felt it was unbecoming. Wow. But. Hmm. Seeing that the prejudice against women, all of that began to change hmm. and it began to churn in her to really know and study the Bible, especially in the original languages. The more she studied, the more this fire began to grow in her that she wanted to evangelize. In fact, she got a little frustrated working in China in the medical field because she was desperate to evangelize and to spread the gospel. About this time, though, she badly injured her spine, and she needed lots of bed rest, and she couldn't you know, continue the same schedule that she had before. And Dr. Ella Gilchrist contracted tuberculosis. So both the women had to return in 1882 to America, um, and Catherine accompanied Ella to Colorado, where they set up a medical practice together. Recalling her time in China, Catherine reflected, this was the mistake of my life, accepting that all things work together uh, for good to them that love God. So, you know, looking back on it, she said, that was a waste. You know, what did I do? But in fact, she had a profound impact upon many people in China and two women in particular that we'll talk about at a different episode who became doctors all because of Catherine Bushnell Hmm. and because of her influence and her love of the gospel. Also, she did, she was able to, with Ella Gilchrist, start, and established this pediatric hospital in Kia King. So it's she did amazing things, yeah. but to her, because it was cut short because she didn't have the chance to actually be a missionary, she felt it was time wasted. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. So Catherine and Ella, you know, having started this medical practice, uh, they felt like medicine was not the foremost call on their lives. Um, Catherine had gone into medicine in order to serve the Lord. And to serve people. Mm. But now she felt like that was not the best way to serve the Lord back in Colorado. She was thinking, you know, these people need salvation. Mm. And what she began to notice was there was a lot of prostitution. There was, this is, this is you know, um, and, you know, 1983 and 84. You mean 1883? Eight. Yes, okay, thank yep. you. 1883, <laughs> 1884, 1885. Yes. We tend to think of those as the golden era. Of the United States, like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, industry is booming. We've just come through the Civil War. We've gotten rid of prejudice. But no, it was. It was really a dark time in the United States, yeah. and dark sins it's always there. <laughs> yes, a lot of prostitution. <laughs> Remember, there was yeah. gold discovery, right? Oh, in the Wild West, for mm-hmm. yeah, it was called that for a reason. Right, and you know, San Francisco was known as the most notorious, you know, mm, yeah. wicked, wicked West. Yeah, and same gold thing with Colorado. Motion. Colorado had just some wicked practices, and so they began to evangelize on the street, especially mm-hmm. to prostitutes. That that's where they felt like these women. A lot of them were trapped in it by poverty, are trapped in it um, by abduction, mm-hmm. uh, trapped in it because of their husbands uh, right. using right. them for money and merchandise, and so these women unwittingly, most of them, had uh, become prostitutes. So they begin to evangelize uh, these prostitutes. Um, it was during this time that Ellen Catherine were both disturbed by the alcohol abuse that they saw, and the havoc that it had on wives and children. Mm-hmm. So we talked about this earlier, but the problem with alcohol was not you know, the occasional drink. That's not why they were asking for temperance. Mm-hmm. But they would see these men get drunk, good men kind men. But when they drank they became, you know, Mr. Hyde. They'd been Dr. Jekyll, they'd been kind, but when they drank they uh turned on their wives and they'd have these terrible tempers and they yes, they would be violent to their children violent to their wives. You know, when I was a little girl, my dad used to sing this song, Please Don't Beat Me, Daddy, and I'll Be Good. Oh, my gosh. And it's the story about a a little boy whose father beats him to death. It's the father's, you know, talking about, he still hears that song ringing in his child's ear. You know, it's funny, because, yeah, you think of, like, the wild, you know, we watch old movies, like, with saloons and all that. It's almost, like, glamorized. Like, this isn't a big deal. They just had a bar fight, you know. But, I mean, nobody ever thinks about the real-life implications of that. And what happened when those men went home? Yeah, and what they did to yeah, their wives totally. and what they did to their children. So at this time, they became avid, both Catherine and Ella, avid members of the Women's Christian Temperance mm-hmm. Union. And they reached out to patients because, you know, mainly they had women and children. And again, this is because they're seeing the black eyes, the broken arms, the broken legs, the internal bleeding that women are having from the violence they're suffering from their husbands. Plus, they're seeing children and they're taking care of the injuries of children. Wow. And so this is what really made them avid members, Mm -hmm. like, we're going to um, do this. And they began to share the gospel. Now, among the converts was a woman named Bertha Lyons, and she had been a prostitute. Um, She was converted at Ella's deathbed because what happened is during this time, Ella succumbed to the tuberculosis and she died. But even from her deathbed, she's preaching the gospel. Wow. And she's saying to Bertha, you need to be saved, Bertha, you need to be saved. And Bertha gives her life to the Lord. Hmm. So during her time in Colorado, Catherine wrote her first book and it's The Woman Condemned. And she was saying that what she saw was that women lowered their moral standards to the standards of men. Like, we have to survive, so we just have to be tough. And we just have to accept this as our lot in life. And instead, she said, no, be women. And make men's morals have to raise to mm-hmm. to Christian standards. You know, why yeah. should women be expected to lower their standards? And men are allowed to get away with everything. Totally. Mm -hmm. So um, that was her book, The Woman Condemned. Catherine then returned to Chicago at the invitation of Frances Willard, who said, why don't you come back to Chicago? I could really use your help. So she goes back to Chicago and she sets up what were called reading rooms. She sold her practice, her medical practice, gave it up and went to Chicago as an evangelist. Wow. And she set up what was called reading rooms. Now, I think this is just like the most fantastic idea. So they would rent rooms all over the city. And they would have like a Monday meeting, a Tuesday meeting at different parts of the city. And they would hand out invitations to women, any women. Who wanted to come to these reading rooms and at the reading room they would have some singing usually hymns or you know some type of uh, worship music they would also have prayer they would take prayer requests they would pray for anybody who needed to come in and they also invited children too to come into this time and then she would give a gospel message and after the gospel message she would invite the women to give up their lives of sin and by personal effort and by conversion to be reformed and to Reform others to become part of the program. It's a lot like Salvation Army. Salvation Army. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah, a yeah. lot like Salvation Army, and I think it was kind You're of rescuing, like rescuing formed yeah. after.
1: You and know, Chicago
0: that, was one of the fastest growing cities in the world at and, that time, and, so. a, and a bad city. Yeah, too. A really a needy, city. really mm-hmm. needy city. Yeah. Interestingly enough, because this would have been about the same time as D.L. Moody, yes, who was also evangelizing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she also sought to help the women who were converted and wanted to help them find honest employment. Mm-hmm. So that was something that she also did was to, you know, find them honest employment, you know, out of prostitution, out of poverty, you know, as maids, as cooks, mm-hmm. as anything that was available, shopkeepers. And she also founded Rescue Mission in Chicago, which fed and helped about 5,000 women and uh, children um, in one year. Wow. In just a year, they would service awesome. about 5,000. And they would give them a light meal and a place to sleep. The rescue mission was set up right in the middle of the red light district in Chicago (laughs) with a saloon on one side and on the other side, a brothel and dance parlors all around. And she called it the clearing house of sinners and at least of sin. Okay. So people would come in and be converted. Now at this time too, there were a lot of Chinese uh, prostitutes. They were lured Mm -hmm. over to the United States um, by the promise of you'll be a bride and yeah, instead, better life here, right? Yeah. They were conscripted once they landed into prostitution. So these Chinese women they flocked to Catherine one because Catherine mm-hmm. um, spoke Chinese. Oh yeah, that's true. She'd been there, yeah. and also because Catherine had lived in China, yeah. they felt like she knew she knew them and she actually cared for them. And so um, she was able to rescue quite a few um, Chinese women. You know, there's a. Book um, about the history of San Francisco, and you find out about this brothel that used to be in San Francisco where the Chinese women were like literally tortured. Yeah, and you know if they tried to escape, they were often killed. A lot of Chinese people exploited on the West Coast, building the railroads, right? But even in Chicago, I mean, this was—you know—again, we tend to glamorize or sanitize. Sanitize, yeah, yeah, exactly. The United States, because we love our freedoms, Mm -hmm. right? But there's always room for improvement. And I love that she worked. And she knew that the way to improvement was the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm. You know, it was not a program. She realized it was by the gospel. The gospel had to go in and had to go into the red light district and had to bring the the light of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of Mm. sins and the transformation and the conversion that's only possible. Through Jesus Christ. Right into the heart of the city. I love that. So she and her volunteers, this is great, at the rescue mission, they would avidly read the newspapers, find the names of women who were arrested on prostitution charges, (laughs) then look them up and go after them. Oh, I love it. And go find them and talk to them and say, look, we read about you. We want you to come to the rescue mission or we want you to come to the reading room. We want to share with you about Jesus Christ. During this time, Catherine did not receive any salary for her work, um, but lived by donations. And she sought to educate women in the Bible. She loved to teach the Bible, and often she would teach them even from the Hebrew and the Greek translations of the Bible. She wanted them to know, most of all, how much God Mm. loved women Mm. and that he did not hold Eve's sin against all women. She wanted... Women to know how Jesus liberated women. She loved to tell the story, like of Mary Magdalene and Mm. um, some of these other New Testament women, Mary of Bethany. And, you know, it says of these women, Jesus loved them. And she felt that these other translations of the Bible left out the compassion of God, especially towards women. After a time in Chicago, um, or while she was in Chicago, she kept hearing about these stories and terrible atrocities against women taking place in the lumber camps in Wisconsin. Mm. So she decided to go there and find out for herself. Um, And when she got there, it turned out that the conditions in the lumber camps were worse even than the reports that she had heard. Girls as young as 13, now this is the United States, this is Wisconsin, I come from Wisconsin. Yeah. My name is Yon I come from Wisconsin. Yeah, totally. So girls as young as 13, 14 were being abducted from their homes. Oh my gosh. And from the farms and from these places where they lived and they were being chained to posts and guarded by dogs and they were there for the men's pleasure. So the men would come, unlock them, take them into one of the tents, have sex with them, and then come back and chain them to these posts again. They're 13 and 14 years old. Sick, yeah. She found at least 60 dens where women were held against their will. She found 575 degraded women. These were women who were forced into prostitution against their will. Mm -hmm. One woman who escaped was recaptured and doused with oil and set aflame in one of the camps to stop any other women from trying to escape. And that was USA 1888. Unfortunately, the officers of the law and many in the medical profession were complicit in this prostitution. At one time, Catherine was fined Fine for her work to help the prostitutes and protect young women from abduction. She received a fine for that. What the heck? Right. So she, she had to go to court and fight this charge against her. And she entered the courthouse and it was filled with men. And they were all jeering and yelling at her, saying the most terrible things to her. And she prayed. She said, Lord, you've just got to help me. I don't know how I'm going to do this. She prayed, And the back door opened and 50 of the most prominent women from society entered in, walked straight up to the front. These were the refined women of society and stood all around Catherine and said, we are here Hmm. for our sister, Catherine Bushnell. Wow. And You know, obviously the fines were dropped and Hmm. the men, you know, some of the husbands were in that room. And it was quite a moment. Yes. (laughs) Catherine was able to lobby Washington and get the Senate Bill number 46 passed, which made it a crime to abduct an unmarried woman to force prostitution and prevented any woman under 21 from being Forced into prostitution. Wow, that's very much like the Salvation Army. The Booths did that. I remember to mm-hmm. get legislation to protect things you would think would be common sense. Right, that's crazy. So why she's in Wisconsin? Of course, there are death threats. There's you know all sorts of things. But she really, really made a difference, mm-hmm. and that bill made a difference. And mainly, she worked with the church because it was the a church was the only place where she could find honest men and women. Mm-hmm. And but she said she had to wake. Some of the women up to the plight because some of the women were like, Well, you know, at least it's not happening in my neighborhood yeah. or you know, my daughters are safe and she's like, No, no one's safe. Yeah. No one's safe. If you don't speak up, you know, it's it's kind of like the the Lord saying to Ezekiel, if you don't speak this this is going to go on your account, yeah. And so she really encouraged Watchmen. the women mm-hmm. in the church and the men to speak up and do something. And they really begin to get involved in politics and they begin to um, force because the again it was even the policemen were corrupt at that point and they begin to to force them. I'm going to have to stop here yeah. because there is there's more. Yes, 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 You're yes. There's more. She's yes. such a fascinating woman. <laughs> so we'll, we'll take a break. But again you know, I'm continuing on in this, this, this medical vein. And it just seems like I want to slow down and, and, you know, obviously we want to get to the martyrs Mm -hmm. and, but I keep finding more <laughs> I keep finding more and mm-hmm. some real interesting characters mm-hmm. but Catherine Bushnell is such an amazing woman worth knowing yes and absolutely. I wish I had known her earlier and now her name just keeps popping up all over the place connection. So like, oh yeah. my goodness <laughs> uh, but maybe you're out there and you're listening and I want to thank those of you who have been writing in and giving us women mm-hmm. somebody suggested Ann Flint Johnson we will get to her I love her story she's coming up as well as um, others and we want to thank you all also um we've persuaded Michelle Ull uh, to be a guest and she's yes, she'll be, be on too. She'll yeah. be on and as well as other guests uh, who will be on in the future talking about women worth knowing. Mm-hmm. Because where we can we Get the experts in, don't we, Jasmine? Yes, that's probably a good idea. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I want to really know. And, you know, by the way, Jasmine is actually finishing up her master's in history. Yeah. So this is this is something that she absolutely loves. I do. Yes, it's this true. Is, it's the history. <laughs> I it's, wouldn't say I'm an expert, but, yeah. Well, like, by the time you like, <laughs> finish teaching. Maybe by the time I get done. Yeah, yes. <laughs> but we're learning sorry, sorry. all these women sometimes with you yeah we're learning about women worth knowing so we want to thank you again for joining us um for part one of katherine bushnell and join us next week for part two bye see you then (laughs) Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Olmet. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow Jasmine on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at WWK We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you've subscribed and don't forget to rate us on your podcast app and share it with friends.